halls of Moore Hall Podcast Room, two mild-mannered CM Life newspaper editors harbor an unknown power. With this power comes great responsibility. Hearken now your ears to the raving geeks! Hey, Central Michigan Life, we're back in the booth. It's the Raving Geeks episode. We lost track a while ago. It's a lot. Uh, Robot Overlords, I think is what I'm going to call this one. Yeah, this is a good title. Yeah. Good title for this episode. In case you forgot, uh, to the right of me is... Ben Solis. How you doing, guys? We also have a guest with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Brienne. Um, I'm a campaigns designer at CM Life, and I am the resident nerd. Yes, she is. She is our she's our compatriot on the other side of the office there. Yeah, uh, and of course I'm Malcolm Bridlesbury. <laughs> Malcolm Bridlesbury. Do you like think these up before you I just, just come I just off did. the cuff with these? Let's not make it a thing. Yeah, you know. All right, so what do we got for news, Ben? So, out of the news breakdown, here's an interesting little story out of the New York uh, Daily News. Kind of a strange story for them. The setting is San Jose, so pretty far away from New York. Mm, but, nice and sunny. You know, some good feature stories. Uh, you just got to pick them where they get them. But basically, a, a man named Renato Garcia, 50 years old, just recently died last week, and uh, he stood at his own wake, propped up, uh, corpse and all. Now, this is kind of no strange thing in the Puerto Rican culture. This yeah. is actually becoming quite a big thing again, too, in Puerto Rico. But uh, the strange thing about this story was is that while he was propped up, embalmed, he was wearing a Green Lantern costume, mask and all. Well, I guess the story is, is that uh, in the last couple weeks of his life, he was donated a bag of clothes. Inside that bag of clothes was, in fact, a Green Lantern suit and apparently a, uh, a Dark Knight utility belt. Nice. Which he is wearing in the picture as well. So he's a little confused on what hero he is exactly. But at the same time, this guy was repping it hard. Uh, they, apparently his family had put it on him and paraded him around in his neighborhood. In See, this, this seems... Uh, you got a little Latino spice in you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. You're also wearing a Green Lantern shirt. I'm wearing shirt a Green Lantern right shirt right now. <laughs> Coincidentally. So explain these strange foreign customs to me. What yeah, no, way? this is no doubt really weird. Why and parade I, a corpse? I actually didn't realize this, uh, but they didn't parade his corpse. That would be a little creepy. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know. But uh, one of the things that you do in Puerto Rican culture is that when you know you're going to die, like you try to see as many people as you possibly can before you go, you know? Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. you, just, uh, you celebrate life. That's what uh, my people are all about. You Viva know? la... Some Viva La Life. Viva La Vida Loca. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But no Rick, hero. No Ricky Martin in the building. Uh, but basically, yeah, so they did that, and he was in the costume. Everybody said, oh, he was such a helpful guy. So it was kind of like, you know, it went together. But then they propped him up in the suit, which is also a Puerto Rican custom. It's yeah. really weird. There are stories about people being propped up in a, on a motorcycle. You know, guy died on a motorcycle. He wants to be propped up on his motorcycle. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> no limits to what in he's all, propped. In all, in all his glory. So Everything's going to be probable. Yeah, so that's a little weird. Uh, any plans for that, uh, guys, when you die? Uh, well, my dad always said to me, actually, and this is real, uh, he said he wants to be burned at a funeral pyre like Darth Vader at the end of wow. uh, Return of the Jedi. Not Vikings, but Vader. Yeah, yeah. He specifically said Darth Vader style. That's pretty cool. And I have to stand and watch his body burn. <laughs> you know, that's kind of tough, but at the same time, I bet you'd be geeking out pretty hard. That's pretty interesting, too, because he's not, like, a geek or anything. I don't sure. know why. He just, he just thought it was badass. Like, <laughs> oh, oh. It's the signal. It's the signal. Guys, we're going to go. <laughs> All right, we're back from fighting crime. We're uh, as fast as the flash here. But, yeah, uh, yeah so that's, that's a little strange. How about, how about you, Brienne? You got any plans for uh, your death that are strange and geeky like this? I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but I guess if you want to put me in, like, a science outfit from Star Trek, that would sure. be pretty nice. Can we just, like, use your body for science? You could do that, too. While yeah. wearing a science officer's uniform and at the that same w- time. That would be pretty great. Maybe inadvertently create uh, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. Mecca. Mecca Brienne. Mecca Brienne. That's <laughs> even Mecca better. Mecca Brienne. <laughs> Terminator Brienne. The bionic Brienne. Cyber. Yeah, Cyber Brienne. Cyber Brienne. Perfect. Uploaded to the internet. Wonderful. You know, speaking of... I'm looking uh, forward to it now. Oh, like. good. Good. It's on. Like Donkey Kong. Speaking of robots... Uh, robot news is pretty terrifying, and we're not just talking about the new Terminator movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, for those of you who aren't paying attention, uh, RoboCop is real. Uh, I say that with a heavy heart and a very uh, scared mind at the same time. Yes. There are two different models of RoboCops that are going to be hitting the streets here in the next five years. Check that out. You check your pulse for a minute. Five to ten years. RoboCops are going to be real. There are two different models, all right? Right. There is the Nightscope K5, which a lot of people probably actually have heard about. Malachi said he heard about it. Yeah, this is terrifying. Absolutely This is terrifying. like some mechanized machine dog. 
yeah. right? That runs on four legs, and it can hit top speeds of up to, like, what, 50 or something like that? Yeah, it, it, can, it, can, go, it can roll super fast. This, first off, let's describe this thing. This thing yeah. looks harmless like a Dalek, right, of Doctor Who fame. So it, it, uh, it looks like some sort of, like, droid. Looks like a Star Wars droid, too. Maybe I we're talking it. about two different things, then, actually, because I'm, I'm thinking of, like, a four-legged running oh, machine. Oh, I've heard about that as well. I forget the name for that. Yeah, though. but I didn't realize that was any kind of law enforcement I heard situation. K- well, yeah, I believe it's uh, military Great, so here we are, learning on the show, discovery moment, that there's canines, too, involved in all this. So yeah. add that to the list. Basically, those things, we're all going to die from robo-things. Oh, yeah, it's like, on. Those it, things it's can done. run, I think, I want to say they can run up to, like, 40, 50 miles an hour. Really? Yeah, and they can turn on a dime. Jeez. And they're... They're not like, I don't know, controlled by a remote control or it's whatever. It's just AI just doing its yeah, thing. Yeah, well, it's kind of like charted out to like a map. You know, you sure. Give it an objective and it'll find its but way. But it's only a matter of time. It'll find its way to your home. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> find a way to your, your you know, weakened flesh bag. Ugh. Daddy, what's this? Oh. <laughs> yeah, canine so robots. What's the, uh, so what's the, the trash night, can? So one? the night scope is not that. It is look like a trash can. But this thing is even as terrifying as that, even though it may not be as, as uh, you know, Big and bad. Sure. Uh, this thing can observe its surroundings and that already sounds terrifying. Yep. <laughs> try to learn learns its entire surroundings in its area and predicts where crime will happen before it happens by using all that observed data. Like racial profiling. So it's like racial profiling and minority report, which so, is even so, funny that it's called minority report because it's probably going to do a lot of racial is, profiling. So it's a racist robot. Uh, Tell you we have racist robots. You know, I can't. I can't. Uh, you know. Uh, confirm that whether the robot is in fact a racist nor can i deny nor can i deny that the robot is a racist <laughs> how do they what algorithms does it use to determine where crime's going to appear I, you know i just say what's it, the crime formula it you know? basically does it ha- like measure distance from detroit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly we're all safe guys by the way um but no yeah it actually it rolls around like one of those little trash robots you know just bouncing around its environment yeah. learning where everything's at where every nook and cranny is and it predicts where a crime could potentially happen and uh, at around certain times where it learns that, it goes to where those spots are to see if, you know, there's a robber behind the corner. How does it apprehend suspects? Well, that's, that's the thing, is that uh, this trash can-looking thing probably can't, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's, like, going to be used for, like, security. And that's uh, where they deploy the robot dog to come well, in. <laughs> that's what they deploy <laughs> the robot dog. 60 miles an hour to take your ass out. <laughs> Not only the robot dog, but uh, a little story out of Free Thought Project. Apparently, there is a new police bot that they're trying to build. By 2016, they're, I mean, they're trying to get this thing off the ground in the next year. Not even five years, but the next year. Uh, I'm not sure if it actually has a name, but this thing looks ridiculous. It looks like a full-sized man yeah. with a, like, a Rob Liefeld, like, <laughs> Captain America <laughs> yeah. chest. Pretty heavy chest. <laughs> pretty heavy chest. You know, this, this face that's just terrifying. Pretty, pretty and it's, were born and it's like a SWAT bot. They're training this thing to be a SWAT bot so they can just send these things in and do do damage. Now, everybody knows that they have these little bots that go in with cameras yeah. to scope out bombs. <clears throat> they're remote-controlled by people. Yeah, they're more like RC cars. Well, this thing like is like an RC car with a human. Okay. So basically, a human controls this thing from a control room wearing an Oculus Rift, yeah. so they feel like they're fully in the environment. And meanwhile, they're wearing this robotic super suit. It's like Avatar with robots. How does it, uh, does it get around on, like, wheels, or does it have legs? You know, I'm not quite sure. I've been trying to look at, like, a full picture of this thing, and the mm-hmm. two websites that I went to did not show, like, any kind of, like, wheel apparatus. Because, you know, early on, we can win this battle by just having really high stairs. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. we got to shut down all the escalators. Yeah. All the elevators are done. Yeah. Get ready to walk, people. This is for the good of humanity. <laughs> Your fat ass is going to You better get in shape, because <laughs> the robots is coming. So, yeah, it's kind of strange, and it's weird. We now live in this, this age of just, doesn't it feel like modern sci-fi is kind of I don't like this? the fact that it's got an Oculus Rift control, man. Yeah. That, that seems to me like playing first-person GTA or something. Yeah, exactly, of course. You know, I'm probably more likely to resort to excessive force if I'm not physically there in the mm-hmm. situation. Yep, yep. The whole idea is, is what you take the human error out of it. I mean, you're injecting so much more human error by taking away the sensitivity, the humanity of the aspect of yeah. fighting crime, man. I mean, with, this is like every 80s sci-fi movie. Of course. Right the, I mean, the well, dogs, how have we not learned? Yeah. yeah. How could we not see this coming? The dogs are kind of a stretch. I too. mean, RoboCop worked. He cleaned up the city for the most part. Yeah. He just did it by, like, shooting people's yeah. faces off. But he was also half-human, man. Right. He had a heart. He could cry. He could, he could cry. He probably <laughs> did cry. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Mod- the age of modern sci-fi is kind of upon us. Um, aside from that, I don't have this on the list, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to say this out right now. Uh, there was a story in the Huffington Post, and uh, you can believe science if you want to. Um <laughs> Nerds. You know, yeah. Nerds. But uh, there, there's a little theory uh, founded by Francis Crick, the founder of DNA. 
called... Uh, he invented DNA. No, no, it's a woman. <laughs> oh, she invented She invented it. DNA. So God is a woman. <laughs> God is a woman, yeah. <laughs> so Francis Crick, a scientist, invent, uh, found DNA, discovered DNA, um, had a theory of called panspermia. Now, that sounds before sexy. this gets like too Valentine's-oriented, panspermia is the idea that uh, life did not start here on this planet. It was carried here by meteors or dust or you know radiation waves, uh, landed here and somehow proliferated. Now, mm. that's a little, yeah, it's a little proliferation, proliferation. Hmm. all across the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Spread that <laughs> seed <laughs> all across. Oh, yeah. So basically, yeah, these things would uh, attach themselves to, you know, meters and land on our planet. Now, she even agreed that that probably was impossible because of the travel time. Uh, the organic material could die, radiation waves. Yeah, what about just the chilling cold of space? Exactly. The icy grip freezing, of death. Freezing it to death, right? So <clears throat> they said that the only way that this could ever happen, be plausible, if it was direct panspermia. Like, she went that far to say that the only way that this could be is if aliens came to our planet and directly pollinated us with these things. So you're saying that aliens came directly. Came directly. They came directly on us. To panspermiate. They panspermiated directly on us. All over the planet. Wow. Waves and waves of it. I think I need a smoke. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to calm down here for a minute, guys. <laughs> but basically, uh, scientists in the UK, while flying a hot air balloon, uh, found one of these space seeds, what they believe is to be a, like a panspermic space seed. Uh, this thing has organic material surrounding it and a gooey center in the middle. Now, the last time that I heard that was in Prometheus, and that was scared the crap out of me. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Or like a Tootsie Pop. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, Gooey center. How, how many licks does it take to get to the center of panspermia? <laughs> oh, I'd love to find <laughs> oh, out. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do this with straight face. Aye, aye, aye. Um, I know I mentioned this to you before, but one of the most interesting things about this story to me is it's actually the plot of a Star Trek episode. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> Called The Chase, where it's about, like, they're looking for a way to... What they're doing as a plot device is looking for a way to explain why all of these aliens we're meeting have the same look as humans. Sure, sure. But the idea is that Picard meets up with, like, an old archaeology teacher, and um, the guy says, I found this really cool thing. We have to go... You have to go with me. You have to break off from Starfleet or whatever, sure, I believe. Sure, And... It's basically like, and they find this thing that proves that's how life got all got around to the different planets, and you have to deal with the consequences of that. See, sci-fi. It's just it's it's foretelling that, absolutely everything. Does that just make Picard scream out in existential terror as <laughs> <laughs> he realizes there's no god and everything around yeah. him is meaningless, <laughs> random order? It's like it would shake the center of his core, man. Yeah. It, it, it was a pretty good episode. And he went and played some flute. So, yeah. This yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never and mind. in a nice V-neck shirt on yeah. some kind of vineyard. You ever see, uh, <laughs> you know? people have been, like, doing compilation videos of, like, all the character quirks on Star Trek oh, really? Next Generation. So, like, Riker has a certain way that he, like, sits in a chair where he, like, swings his <laughs> yeah. head over. And Picard, every time he stands up, he, like, adjusts his, like, little... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He gets, like, real buff all of a yeah, sudden. He, he pumps up his chest. Yeah, he gets, like, all, I don't know, like, space wedgies or something. He's got to, like, get that out. Oh, this is right. Here's, up. My, here's my, like, real inner nerd showing the fact that I know this is that the reason Riker does that is because the actor has back problems. Oh, oh really? Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. So that was like his way of adjusting. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it became like a character quirk then, yeah. too. Yeah. Wow. It Acting. just looks kind of cool, too. It's kind of yeah. badass. Yeah. Riker. Have you ever noticed that uh, our advisor, Dave Clark, kind of looks like Will Riker? Don't don't tell him. Oh, that. yeah. He's I know. I, I, I couldn't. I mean, he'll probably hear it on the show I'll now. I'll never unsee it now. Yeah, he looks yeah. more like Wesley than Riker. One day I was getting no. yelled at by Dave. It's <laughs> a uh, joke. <laughs> as people do get yelled at by Dave sometimes, but it's for the best. I don't get yelled at by Dave. Yeah, Dave loves me. Yeah, some of us. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so he's uh, telling me my story sucks, and uh, it did. It needed help. And then I look over and at his dolls, and he has two Will Riker dolls. I'm like, oh, my God. I look at him, look at the doll. I couldn't take him seriously anymore, but I did because okay. it's Will Riker. Take him more seriously. I know he's number. He's number. He's number, number two. One. Number one. Number. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not really big on Star Trek. Yeah, man. He's a commander, dude. I forgot. He's a commander. Wait, Riker's life. number two. Riker's number two. I thought yeah. no, who's number one then? Picard. Oh. Wow. No. No. Now I, now yeah. I don't know. I oh feel wait, like wait, I can wait. Hear him no, in my no, head. I'm right. Yeah, you're right. I am right. I can hear his. Sultry, smooth voice say number one. Maybe we yeah, you're have, right. We should, okay. have, we should have Dave on the show doing like Riker impressions. I wonder how, how well he could do it. It all actually talks. He could actually just sit here and just like pull the string. <laughs> should we have our guest star just be a, like, <laughs> be a Riker dog? doll from now on? <laughs> what do you think, Riker? <laughs> Set warp to five. Yeah, yeah. Phasers to, to kill. Um, Between him and my Spock bubble head, we could have a whole podcast. Oh, sure. 
Sure. It'd probably be more entertaining than us. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And get like a Woody doll in here. There's a snake in my boot. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. Well, also, by the way, for the record, um, Dave does not yell at me because I am not under Dave's control. It's <sighs> not because he favorites me. <laughs> let's, let's not kid ourselves. We're all under Dave's control. <laughs> all right. What's next on the agenda? So moving on, we're going to move to our main section. And it's there's a reason why we brought up so much sci-fi, not just because it's happening around us all the time, but, um, you know, Things have changed a lot in the last couple of decades, especially with the way that we view the outer worlds, our universe around us. I mean, I'm from the uh, generation, and so are these guys too, of a pretty pretty big space program. It was on its uh, last leg, but, you know, the space shuttle program was still around when we were kids. Sure. Yeah. I went to space camp. I got to did talk really? to an astronaut once. Well, she, went, she got to talk to an astronaut? When My dad. When did you go to space camp? I went to space camp, oddly enough. Okay, a little sidetrack. Oddly enough, in my fourth grade class, fourth grade or fifth grade, some anonymous donor decided... Some wealthy benefactor. So the wealthy, the wealthy <laughs> bastard decided that he was going to give a bunch of money to my school, my school district, and send every fifth grade class from each school in the school district to a various space camp around the country. Yeah. There's three space camps around the country. There's one in Florida. There's uh, one in Texas. And there's one in Mountain View, California. And that is where I went to Mountain View, California. Sunny Mountain View, California. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, to go to space camp. And, uh, oddly enough, Air Force camp is there, too. So we split the half. Air Force camp sounds a lot less fun. Well, it was actually really, really cool. (laughs) Air Force camp sounds like you're cleaning latrines. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do more push-ups. My brother, like, side note, my brother was in JRTC in high school. What is that? Um... Like junior Air Force oh, people, oh and he went to yeah, like camp in the summer, oh, and he wow. said it was so much fun, and everything he described yeah. sounded well, like you, hell to me. Yeah, what you yeah. call <laughs> fun is sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, you're like bouncing around in some gyrosphere that gets like running miles. Wow! Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I'm having fun, and he's doing hard work. But oh, that's uh, cool. yeah, no, it was pretty cool. So you know, uh, space meant a lot to me. Probably meant a lot to you guys too. Uh, growing up watching sci-fi, obviously Brienne. She, she obviously you can tell she's a big Star Trek fan. Um, but now, NASA, after being defunct for years, not having barely any money from mm. the Bush administration. Not two pence to rub together. Not two pens or pocket protectors to rub together. That's a pence, I said. Oh, a pence. A British currency. Oh, excuse me. Pence piece. I thought you were talking about, you know, you the scally, writing utensils. You <laughs> Your rich benefactor isn't here yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> this Oliver Twist tale is over, my <laughs> Space camp is not here to yeah. save me. Wow. So, yeah, uh, but... Now we have a NASA program that is getting 18.5 billion more dollars to its name to do whatever. Uh, they're planning a Europa mission. They're mm. planning on going to Jupiter's crazy Icy moon. moon Europa. Icy moon, right? Icy moon. Thinking that there's life there because there's evidence of ice. There might be life. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but the last time we went to Jupiter on a mission, uh, bad things happened. The robot on the computer, or the computer on the, the spaceship, killed everybody. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. 2001: A Space Odyssey. Right. Sounds freaking terrible. It was a documentary in 2001. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> yeah. We're like 2014, you know. So yeah, that's what's going on right now, and I think that's just really cool. And you see the parallels in pop culture. It seems that different uh, directors and different uh, story writers are starting to really capitalize on the idea of space travel and our possibilities of the next frontier. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is what you know sci-fi has meant to us, and uh, what are the chances of some of our favorite sci-fi inventions, factors, coming to life here in the near future. So Malachi, uh, what, what, what's your favorite sci-fi so far? Well, I mean, we're talking about space. I'm going to drag this a little bit closer to home because Ooh. a lot of the sci-fi that I grew up with was yeah. like the gritty like Terminator style gotcha, sci-fi, yeah. right? The future is scary. Future's <laughs> terrifying. Technology is scary, you know? Yeah. A lot of this, uh, you know, because in the 80s, you know, there was this huge crime wave, right? <clears throat> Yeah, apparently. There was. Freaking, Trust me. Freaking Reagan. <laughs> Trust me. There's a lot of crime, back, lot of in crime. The, back in the 80s. So, like, all of the futures in that time were, like, dystopian futures. You sure. Know? The future of RoboCop, this just, like, wasted Metro Detroit, just, like, crime running across the streets. You know, we talked about Drudge Dread before. That's a lot, you know, kind of the similar, sure, yeah. similar vein. Um, you know. So, I don't know. Sci-fi for me, Terminator in that, too. You know, Terminator the future is Absolutely. Scary. Um, I didn't really like think about space too much when I was a kid. I was just trying to figure out how to kill robots. <laughs> how, to, how to avoid the robot apocalypse yeah. that was impending. Apparently. And then, you know, in most of those cases, it just involved like carrying buckets of water around, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, and, like I can at least I can short this thing out. I've taken out two toasters in my time. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be the same thing. Looking at me the wrong way. 
<laughs> was it burnt or just a little extra crispy? It, well, here's the thing. Oh, my. One of them was burnt, one of them wasn't. Well, you had to take it out. Yeah. It was, I mean, it had to go. It was faulty. Whatever. Um, Long live the toaster. But I think it's funny how, like, the convention of science fiction going from, like, kind of optimistic to, like, not nihilistic, but, like, I don't know. What's a good word for that? Pessimistic? Yeah, I guess really pessimistic. Pessimistic is obviously kind of doomed, the, yeah. the opposite of that. I probably should have known that. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, you know, kind of evolution of that. So I, the way that I kind of see it in my lifetime is that it started off very pessimistic, right? And then maybe it got a little bit more optimistic when movies like, I don't know, Star Wars and Star Trek. Because Star Trek, the whole thing about it is, like, the perfect future where everyone's tolerant and we're so much flying di- across space. Diplomacy. Do, yeah. do, do, do. Have yeah. to, like, never shoot anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I don't really like Star Trek that much. Sure. Like, sure. I mean, you can, you're wrong. You can so fight all the lizards you want, but it's not enough lizard fighting for me. Listen, right? you're just a bunch of cowboys in space, you Star, that's, Star Wars fans. That's the best, man. That's why I like Firefly. Go get your Indiana Jones, your cosmic Indiana Jones out of here. That's dude. That's what Guardians of the Galaxy basically <laughs> is. Everybody loved it, and it's gonna be kind of weird because if Pratt is Indiana Jones, and we've just made another insane parallel. That's a whole other thing, man. I really hope they don't make another really, Indiana really, Jones movie. Really. Another time. But anyway, that's like kind of the other end of the spectrum that we're on now. Is that now sci-fi is like this big kind of like pulpy. We're almost getting back to like that kind of Flash Gordon era. Oh, yeah. uh, you oh, know, man. adventures in space and everything's kind of cool, and it's not really like so much high tech anymore. Like I feel like earlier science fiction movies in like the late 70s and like the 80s were more based on like what future tech could look like and you know you get your interstellars and things like that now that kind of try to recreate that but for the most part it's just kind of taken that like space opera uh you know star wars approach to technology where it's just like fuck you there's laser swords like it's gonna happen <laughs> you, know what I mean? you may not understand it but it's happening yeah, yeah. so forces so i was always like kind of enamored with uh with sci-fi stories um, but not so much about like NASA and space camp. I just thought those guys were nerds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the big uh, distinction between sci-fi. There's the hard sci-fi, which is all like you know very tech-based. Yeah. Uh, even though that there are some elements of soft sci-fi in Star Trek, I mm-hmm. think Brand would probably agree that it's very kind of hard sci-fi. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I like hard sci-fi sometimes too. Uh, the Starship Troopers novel. I don't know if you guys have ever read. I've only seen the shitty movie. The movie's actually like completely different than the book. Interesting. The book is like an examination of like fascism and like <laughs> wow how military. Oh, Starship Troopers got deep. <laughs> oh, yeah, seriously. And that's why the movie is, like, so hokey and, like, a parody of that kind of thing. Because, like, the book was very, like, fascism is good, <laughs> you know? Wow, so like, it, went from, like, was, or, it went from, like, Orwellian to, like, something that was just really just goofy. Well, it was like, uh, you know, you're in the future and you're at war. It's kind of imperative that the entire Earth, like, bands together to fight this. So fascism is, like, something that got them through that. But, you know, they had the power suits, which were, like, you know, if, you know the modern kind of halo armor type. You know, in those video games, it was basically kind of started around that time with, like, Starship Troopers and the, uh, I think, uh, what's the Interstellar War books called? Basically, war that's fought, like, over thousands of thousands of years in space. Interesting. But because the battles are so far away, they have to go into, like, hypersleep. Every sci-fi movie ever? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because, well, yeah, much. it actually deals with the repercussions of that. You know, in Star <laughs> Wars or Star Trek, you just hit the warp and you go. But these guys are fighting a battle to people who are, you know, long dead back on their own planets or, like, are a part of things that, like, halfway across the galaxy, the battle's already ended, but they don't know it. They're fighting over here, you know, and they're in hypersleep for thousands of years as they're traveling. Whoa, Stuff whoa. like that. Ender's Game is okay. a really good example of hard hypersleep, sci-fi. Hypersleep, we're going to talk about Khan. Okay. Khan was in hypersleep. Yeah. So that's not absent from Star Trek. Well, I'm not saying it's <laughs> absent, but just, like, the kind of basis of a war like that is a lot different. Sure, okay. you know I mean? sure, sure. Well, that's that's really interesting. You don't remember the name of this this. This book I want to I want to say it was called the Interstellar War or something uh, so basic like that huh Yeah it was really ba- it was like a oh man it was like an 80s hard sci-fi book I like a lot of Ray Bradbury's novels too and those yeah, usually yeah. lean more hard sci-fi Interesting so you do you do like the fantasy aspect but you do have like the, the rampant intellectualism of some of those other like uh, dystopian A little movies. bit I don't like getting bogged down on you know them describing a future lazy boy and how that sure. Anti-gravity and the lazy boy works. It moved ever so slowly. Yes, each gyration on my buttocks was <laughs> fueled by a thousand stars. I heard, heard the atoms hum yeah. beneath my butt. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my basic understanding of it, and that was pretty rambling. But you guys get what I mean. Well, it's good. That's that's a good thing because I think each of us have our own little thing. So Brian, you know, what do you, what what got you into sci-fi, and uh, what what's your favorite kind of sci-fi? Um. Well, my favorite kind of sci-fi is obviously Star Trek kind, but um. No, for a long time I resisted, like, my love of sci-fi. I didn't get into Star Trek until I, like, started college because I was like, that's too nerdy for me. I can't, I can't, it was too much. You could not unleash the chains. <laughs> I couldn't. Not I was, unleash the nerd I chains. was like, that, that is a level I'm not ready to go to. Sure. And I eventually gave up. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, okay. Um, but, 
I grew up with Star Wars, and it's very upsetting to my dad that I've turned into such a Star Trek geek. Mm. Like, he's very, he's very upset with me. We have a very hard Star Wars line in our family. If you go Star Trek, you're out. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Yeah, like, there's Boba Fett uh, um, cardboard cutouts in my uncle's basement. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like Malachi's house. I would love to have a Han Solo frozen in carbonite. <laughs> there's a... Oh god, there's there's like a mouse pad that's like Han Solo and Carbonite or something yeah. like that. No, I gotta go full size. You gotta go full size Han yeah. Solo and Carbonite. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, so I guess the my first entry into sci-fi was really Frankenstein, though. I love Frankenstein. Interesting I read choice. it in high school, and huh. I don't think a lot of people would consider that sci-fi. That's interesting that you say it's, that. It's it's the very I think the very beginning because yeah. of what sci-fi at least to me what sci-fi is is it's very intellectual and it examines society in an sure. allegorical fashion. I think you do kind of see the beginning of that with Frankenstein. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he does use technology to bring the monster to life. So. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. And then I've also never heard that the philosophical before. points of playing God, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, science and technology moving faster and <clears throat> further than our own imagination. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, for me, my dad, I, uh, I, I always sound like a pompous ass when I say this, but it's true. You kind of just sound like that when you say it. Yeah. My dad actually worked for NASA, man. Yeah. This oh, is for real. So you had an inside track on the space. Track. I really had an inside. Well, no, I mean okay. the, the benefactor chose me at random, but yeah. you know some people thought it was a conspiracy. But they got you right through the door. Maybe. Sure. Oh, oh, Mr. Solis, oh, why don't you come on in? Yeah. Your room is waiting for you. Sure, sure. Uh, no, I did not have a private room at have space some camp. Space yogurt. I didn't have any space yogurt or space caviar. I didn't have like cosmic fish eggs. So, so when you say your dad worked at NASA, he wasn't like a janitor. No, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. He was not. He was not Juan the janitor. That is not the type of Mexican that uh, we are. Um, but. Uh, no, my dad is an engineer. He's a mechanical engineer, and uh, he specialized in like vibration mechanics, right? So like, you should have brought that up earlier with these uh, spermentation thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, the vibration the mechanics. Vibration mechanics. Yeah, yeah. planning part in the he was, in the galactic. He, he really helped, you know, move the the panspermia along. <clears throat> Do you think he'd probably stimulate it? Might be. He might have inseminated some of it. Yeah. You know, we never know. Is that how you were born? Puerto Ricans in space, man. Is that how you this were This makes born? the whole Green Lantern thing, like, a whole lot more, <laughs> yeah. you know. We're not actually from here. We're actually from really? where the Guardians. We're from Oa. We yeah. actually hang there. That's really coming full circle. That's yeah. Great. 2-1 essay. Um, <laughs> that being said, yeah, my dad was uh, an engineer there. So not for a couple of years, he ran their vibrations lab. So they would get, like, military contracts and say, okay, here's our new jet fire you know, so much turbulence at it to see if this thing's going to freaking fall apart. Shoot science at it. Shoot wave, uh, you know, <laughs> sound waves at it. Yeah. And so my dad would just, you know, run that whole lab. Uh, he was the supervisor. But he also, another thing that he did, this is kind of cool that his claim to fame is, is that there was an experiment called the droplet combustion experiment in the late 90s. And this whole premise was that uh, you take these two needles that are in this hermetically sealed tube, right, no gravity, and you shoot two toxic chemicals uh, at it, each other, and hope that it burns and lights a fire in space with no oxygen, right? Mm. My dad was on this project. He actually built some of those mechanisms that actually went inside the tube. Uh, I remember him actually having this stuff at my house when I was a super, like, really, really young. There's a picture of him, like, total, like, every sci-fi movie of, like, some missing scientist, you know? Like, some <laughs> captured Bond movie or something like that of yeah. him holding, like, the actual thing, you know? Lab coat. Super 80s haircut. Did he have, like, the big, thick Big, thick glasses. Like, not goggles, but just, like, the glasses, you know? I was thinking, like, the radiation. No, 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 no. It wasn't that intense, but he did have the 90s goggles, glasses. Uh, But, yeah, he uh, he did all that stuff. So we always really had a real big appreciation of space. I think the first thing is, like, um, you know, the time machine. The Mm. time machine was pretty big in my house, the book and the movie. Um, any H.G. Wells was, was pretty prevalent. Uh, there was actually a, an album that my dad had. It was uh, War of the Worlds, right? It was a rock opera version of <laughs> War of the of Worlds. Here. Yeah. That's nerdy. Bunch, so. bunch of nobodies pretty much on this thing. But uh, Phil Linnett from uh, <clears throat> Thin Lizzy was actually the priest. So, like, when I went to the priest, it, like, rocked super hard, like Thin Lizzy, you know? It's pretty weird. That's awesome. But uh, he used to terrify us with us. He used to shut the lights off, and every time the aliens would come, it'd be like, so anytime we heard that, we freaked the shit out. Like, oh, God, they're coming, you yeah. know? But, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, space, hard sci-fi, stuff like that. Big on me. Huge Star Trek fan. And right. uh, so that's why I differ from you guys. That fantasy crap, you can keep that. I like the the space diplomacy and the long, hour-long sequences of absolutely nothing happening in front of you. But they've got cool costumes and cool aliens. So hmm. green blood, man. What do you guys think about, like, just the kind of uh, 
I mean, I touched on this a little bit, and then we kind of brought it up when you were talking about Frankenstein, but just, like, the definition of sci-fi and how that's evolved to where we're kind of at right now. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting that she brought up Frankenstein, you know, because, like, you have something that's, like, so, like, innately human, right? Mm-hmm. Not really trying to, like, traverse outside of your own world, but maybe outside of your own imagination. Yeah. You know, to something that, I mean, now, I mean, look at Interstellar. I mean, we're actually going through wormholes on film, you know? Uh, so that's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know. You t- you tell me, Brienne. What what do you what do you see? Um, I actually like spent a lot of time like kind of looking this up over the week because oh. I, I care too much. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your guest, Brienne Moss. <laughs> um, but no, what I think I've kind of figured out is sci-fi is just you like ha- it has a scientific core. It uses science to progress its ideas, and it looks at human nature and how it works. I think that's really the basics of what sci-fi is. Interesting. So I guess you wouldn't classify something like a Flash Gordon in there as a sci-fi film. Because that's more about just, like, swashbuckling adventures in space. Sure. It's not just, you know, beholden to an alien planet. It could be, you know, in More like space pirates or something something like that. Yeah, basically. I mean, you know, it's like a pulp adventure film. I mean, and that's not to say you can't have fun sci-fi either. Like, Hitchhikers is fun sci-fi. Sure. That's true. Like, I I just think that the intellectualism, too, is something that's a little bit inherent in sci-fi. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's by nature kind of just an intellectual pursuit. I mean, Mm -hmm. unless if, you know... I mean, and it's interesting that you you guys kind of bring both of these things up, too, because if we look at where we are now, right, uh, I think that when people do look at sci-fi, I think we're kind of over technology, Mm -hmm. which is the craziest, stupidest thing to say. Yeah. But as a society, we have a new iPhone that comes out every single year. I mean, goddammit, man, we've got RoboCops coming out. Yeah. And... Honestly, hey man, you get the you get that new version of the RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm about to fly that thing into that. Thing I got the RoboCop 5S. Oh, what do you got? dude, crime is done, man. I just, <laughs> got, I just got the RoboCop. Dude, I got C. six plus, man. It doesn't even come with the new charger. I got I six buy, plus. It's not even on the, the market charger. yet. I had to steal that shit. Is that like six G? What do you got That's on that six, thing? Six, six G plus, man. Man, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Dude, like Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, radiation beams, got all, man. Radiation beams are pretty hot. My brother. That's a new ticket. Boom. Yeah, AMC. no, absolutely. No, that's, I mean, that's kind of like when you look at it, but like we're really kind of over technology as a society. So it makes sense that something like Guardians of the Galaxy that came out, right? Yeah. Being hailed as like kind of a new Star Wars kind of a thing. I mean, people are really into that swashbuckling nature of sci-fi. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, that might help us more than something hard like Interstellar. Now, I'm going to come back to this maybe later after these guys talk a little bit about this, but I really feel like in order to sell a new space program, we kind of have to revert back to the way that we sold the space program in the 1950s and the 1960s as these grand adventures in space. Yeah. Not just all the, you know, the science that we can, you know, unveil, but also all the great times we can have, you oh, know, I'll tell you jumping what, on the moon, you know? I'm not jumping in a rocket ship unless there's like a green alien to go bang out there in space. Sure. You know, that's just you gotta cut all, you gotta cover all your bases, man. Yeah. All your bases. They're going to lose the potential. Of all See, it's Star Trek references. You come over to the other side, yeah. man. You ain't yeah. got that on, on that side. I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. Crew's cool. over there doing that kind of thing. I'm not jumping in a spaceship until it has Wi-Fi. Until it has Wi-Fi. Well, I, I think would that's be. like the least of your worries. <laughs> I mean, if we have a warp drive, I think it should mean Wi-Fi. I mean, the Wi-Fi is really important. Why would you even go? Oh, great, there's this warp drive, but Wi-Fi? I'm <laughs> How am I going to check my Twitter? God, exactly. am I going to live tweet this experience? <laughs> exactly. Right? I'll tell you what, while I am wholly unqualified to embark on such a mission, I would totally jump at the chance to go to, like, Mars. Me too. As, you know, the first, like, commercial flight there. They're planning on it, man. I have, have fun. But I will. I will my gene pool my <laughs> watch you from the TV screen. Yes. But my gene pool is nowhere near the level of perfection that, you know, they want to send these great human specimens oh, out there. Of course not. No, I am far too dumb and lazy. <laughs> we write for I would a living. We can't up. even do math. <laughs> I would mess it up so bad. I would be the guy who would, like, make society, you know, unravel with <laughs> my jealousy and anger toward everyone else. <laughs> you people suck! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would go, but uh, I have tons of health problems. I can't. It yeah. sucks. You wouldn't survive the gene. Oh, my, my brain would my brain would explode during, like, the training mission. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God. Get a new... Get the towel. This kid just exploded. Dude, if my glasses break, I'm done. I can't do anything after that. You know what's funny? Bringing up the Air Force camp thing again? I, uh, I really wanted to be an Air Force pilot. Yeah. Because I really wanted to be an astronaut. And I mean... Can't. When I when I was young and in Air Force camp, I dominated the dogfight. I destroyed <laughs> in our little video dogfight, and uh, yeah. you know some some army uh, army Air Force guys came up to me and I think uh, it was like a five star general, right? <laughs> it was just some lackey at the <laughs> plays. It yeah. was clearly some private who had to do um, duty with the kids. You know yeah. what I mean? It I'm was the janitor sh- of the I'm Air Force. I'm pretty sure it was Dwight D. Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Eisenhower. Eisenhower came up to me as dead corpse, uh, propped in a Green Lantern costume. <laughs> um, 
But no, they came up to me and said, hey, kid, uh, you, you want to be a pilot someday? This is pretty fun, right? And I was like, yes, more than anything, you know? Do I miss you? Yeah, totally. Like, totally that moment. And they're yeah. like, oh, that's great. You did good. And then they, they paused and they looked at my glasses. They're like, how bad is your vision, kid? I was oh, like, no. oh, it's pretty bad. And like, oh, tough break. And they walked away. Aww. They both, like, they had cr- your had your goals, like, sky high and then shot you out of the sky like you did oh, when yeah. you were fifth graders. Absolutely. The <laughs> they definitely Aww. took command and yeah. blasted me out of oblivion. That sucks, man. man. Yep. So, uh, no, I feel you. You know, yeah. it seems it's, that our it glasses will save us anyway. It kind of sucks that some people are just genetically inferior and can never go to space. Yeah, yeah, like all it's three kinda, of us right it's here. It's kind of messed up, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. way too short to pilot anything, man. You got to be like six one. You, I mean, to be honest with you, you do kind of have like the captain look, though. You yeah. know, you got, you got the swirl in the hair. Maybe I can just weasel my way on board. Yeah, you know, I could be your, your Scotty. I can swash some buckles, man. <laughs> swash some buckles, man. I can swash as many wow. buckles how's, as you got. How's your laser sword fighting these days? Oh, it's pristine. Did you know that the fighting style of uh, Make some more noise. Star Wars. Yes. Is uh, is rapier, not saber. I don't know the difference. Did you know that? I don't know what that means. I knew that because I used to fence when I was a kid, man. Ah. I used to well, fence so when I was a kid. What's uh, what's like the flippity floop, you know, rave? <laughs> you make some. You make some noises now. <laughs> We're all making noises now. <laughs> the shit going on in uh, in the prequels where they're like back flipping and front flipping. Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's just like some like jujitsu. Like, I was something. Uh, I was watching a video the other day about like kind of the evolution of the lightsaber fighting style, sure, right? Sure. And the reason that it was like so I don't know understated in uh, the first Star Wars film, right, is because George Lucas had envisioned that these things like were capable of propelling so much energy, right? Huh. That they were like really heavy. So this was a fight between a person. Between Obi Wan and Darth Vader, right? This is a fight between someone who's basically all machine and like an old man, and they're handling like these weapons that are supposed to just be generating massive amounts, amounts of power. Of yeah, yeah, sure. So they're really heavy. So that's why they're just kind of like you know barely swinging it and like just kind of touching the tips of their sabers <laughs> against each other. Sabers, <laughs> just the tips. And yeah. here we are back again, <laughs> saber docking, I believe. Valentine's in space. <laughs> um, but wow. then as they kind of went on. I mean, so they had, he had intended it to be a two-handed style, right? Yeah. Oh, really? He had to get two hands on it? <laughs> yeah, it was that big and it was that big and heavy. Wow. And eventually, they, uh, as you know, Luke became more proficient, and they decided Darth Vader shouldn't should be such a bitch. Yeah, yeah. They they went to one handed, and then eventually, I guess they just threw it out the window. We we're like, fuck it, let's just dance, let's go all out. Yeah, let's just break dance fighting. Sure, yeah. So. I mean, with a two-edged, uh, you know. Yeah. Lightsaber. I mean, I really like the fights in Empire Strikes Back. I think that was probably the best lightsaber battle out of all of them. Sure. I mean, the Returns one is okay. It's just kind of just. Rehashed. I like that just for more of the emotional tension because sure. Luke is like grappling with the dark side. And there's the the plot of all of it too. It's right. Like coming to an end. Yeah, it's the final climax. battle. It's the climax. The, definitely the climax. Plus, he basically beats Vader, chops his hand off, and like has him. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Oh, interesting enough. Going back to the Star Wars thing, there's a picture uh, circulating the internet right now with Billy Joel playing harmonica. Oh yeah. At his very old age. And uh, he's wearing a black uh, turtleneck. He looks like Vader, Anakin Skywalker, once his helmet is off. Yep. Do yourself a favor, kids, and go check that one out. You'll have a good time. But clearly, I mean, we see all this stuff around us now. It's kind of all becoming our reality. It's no longer a fiction. Science is, is grappling with these concepts that I think that we can only, you know, put in these comic book pulp stories and, yeah. you know, movies. And I don't know. There's a, well, okay, so we talked about kind of like the adventurous side, right? The, you know, let's throw the science out the window. Yeah. And then obviously the other side of that is is Star Trek where it's all about the science, right? Where does Doctor Who lie in this? Because we've been kind of, you know, showing our disdain for Doctor Who, but we haven't had a reasoned discussion. And I'd like to hear Brianne's thoughts on the subject. Okay, I'm not a Doctor Who expert. I know a lot of people who love Doctor Who, but um, I think... uh, I think it's more towards the Star Wars, the more adventure in space and time kind of thing. I'd agree. It, there's not a much, like, I actually would like more science in my Doctor Who. Like, mm-hmm. there's a little bit, but there's not what I want, and I think that's one of the reasons I didn't grasp onto it right away. Would you consider yourself a fan, though? Kind of. Can you explain why, please? <laughs> yeah. We're still grappling with this concept as well. I freaking hate it. Science can't explain why people like Partially Doctor is Who. because, one, I'll admit it, I'm biased. They're British. Screw them. <laughs> okay, what do you got? What are you against the Brits, man? I like I like some. Don't you one, like Monty Python, man? I love Monty Python. I like the British version of The Office. I think a lot of British comedians are great. But when I see people flocking to uh, Doctor Who, I see a lot of stupid girls who just think that like 
you know, they're hot because they're British. And as a, you know, a person who will never have that. Yeah, oh, yeah. As an Anglo-American who will never have the British accent, I am just automatically. Are you jealous? Is that what you're saying? I'm je- automatically angry that so, I. So, Brianne, as, as, a, as a prolific 20-something woman uh, who is also a geek, how do, you, yeah. how do you feel about the Doctor Who? I just thing? feel like there's a lot of fangirlism and not a lot what, of actual what I mean, they just picked an older doctor. I, I think with the beginning, do- like. There's a lot of girls out there with daddy issues. <laughs> the older doctor thing could work out. I like my Doctor just, Who like I like my streets. <laughs> I, I just think Doctor Who's a lot of fun. I mean, I yeah, did I like start watching Doctor Who because I was like, Matt Smith is kind of cute. Like, I, I kind of, like, I want to see what this is about. When did you start experimenting with Doctor Who? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us how you, how you got hooked. Uh, no, maybe, no, seriously, though, like, what what's good about the show? Because I don't get, I've only seen a couple episodes because yeah, I am pretty aside, biased. What, what, like, what, do you, what do you like about it? It's, it's a mixture of history and sci-fi, honestly. And I lo- I'm kind of a history nerd and I'm, also kind of a sci-fi nerd, so it mixes those two well, and it's also got a little bit of fantasy. Um, I th- uh, my friends are really into it. <laughs> <laughs> so if your friends jumped off a Dalek-ridden uh, bridge, would you do it too? I mean... I think that's dumb too. How are those intimidating? They're like... They're, they're <laughs> trash cans, man. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are getting so much hate for this right now. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, here's the deal. We haven't gotten hate mail yet, so we're really looking forward to someone really, like, yelling at us. Plus just email. their entire presence on the internet, Dr. Hughes' presence on the internet. They're, I just They're, like, so obnoxious. They really are. So obnoxious. The guys are terrible. I mean, think about it, though. It's the only sci-fi, like, cult that's producing something new right now. That's true. You don't have new... Well, you have new Star Trek, but a lot of the Star Trek fans are, a like... a lot of new Star Wars coming. There's constantly been Star Wars coming out, being in comics, video games, expanding universe But it's novels. not a TV show. It's not a movie. No. <laughs> there's, there's, there's been TV shows. There's been, like, I don't know, animated shows that I haven't Clone watched. Clone Wars is huge, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also not the core franchise, though. Sure. It's not the core there's franchise. There's media out for these people. <laughs> media. <laughs> Just go back to BBC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go, go back to where you came you from. Skip back across the pond. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of the Doctor Who fans mm-hmm. I know are actually guys. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a female specific thing. I just think the females are more <laughs> yeah, open no, about we're just, it. We're just, I was yeah. half joking about. Okay. <laughs> half joking. Half, half joking. joking. Yeah. Half joking. But no, I, yeah, I uh, I don't really understand it either. I, I've seen a couple episodes. I've I've seen most of the uh, the Matt Smith stuff. Yeah. And that was, I mean, it was it's okay. There's some parts in it where you're just like, what the heck is going on in this show? Um, interestingly, and interestingly enough, uh, River Song on, on the Matt Smith era is actually uh, Dinah Lance's uh, mom on Arrow. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's the weirdest thing. She doesn't have her British accent at all, you know, but you can hear it, like, in the background. So every time, like, you see her on, on, on Arrow, you're just like, are you just going to disappear in, like, a, in a cosmic flash in a second ago, you know? Yeah. I do have one thing to say about Doctor Who, though, and I'm saying, and I don't know this for a fact, but I have a friend who is very against the guy who currently writes Doctor Who. Oh. Like, a, like would, a blood vendetta? Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, Should we expect an assassination here sooner, or what? So she, like, does not like a lot of the, and, well, I think a lot of the Matt Smith run because it's not the Doctor Who she knows. Hmm. She is very much into the older Doctor Who. Like, like 70s Doctor Who? Yes. Interesting. You know, there's what is so there's like fifty years worth of Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah. So you like technically couldn't watch all I, of it through. I mean, how long would it take you to watch all of that through? How I'm sure years? someone on the internet has timed it out and it's been like years. Like I, how I, many I, seasons have there been? God. I mean, what? fifty years, man. Yeah, but there hasn't been. A, it took some breaks. There's been thirteen doctors. Um, thirteen doctors in five in five decades, man. Wow. That's I think. A lot. Wait, no, wait. There's been 12. I'm sorry. Uh, Capaldi's the 12th. Um, but yeah, it did take a long break. It didn't come back again until like 01 or 07. Hmm. Maybe yeah. 07. And that's Still, it. though, it's, I mean, yeah. 20 years even, that's a lot. You know? Yeah, absolutely. 30 years. You well, know, we were, we were, I was talking to someone about SNL. SNL had their 40th uh, anniversary yeah. special. Yeah. Oh, man. I really missed Oh, God. It was great. I it missed was. it. Oh, I man. It. Oh, man. Okay. I have a friend in Brazil. Had no idea what SNL was. Are you was, serious? Yes, I was wow. like, "What are you doing with your life?" I guess I, I'm assuming sense. it's like it's going to be out there. 
like online somewhere. So I'm just waiting to like, definitely check it out if you yeah. get a chance. Yeah. If you guys out there haven't checked it out, it's fantastic. It's really long, but like the golden moments that were a part of it were great. They brought back Celebrity Jeopardy, man. That's great, and it was fantastic. Yeah. It was as good as it was so many years ago. Just skip through Californians though, because oh god, that was. I mean, I used to like that a lot, like, just because I would hang out and, like, watch that one specifically. It's actually it was, pretty funny. It was fun to replicate, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't... But I, just, it got kind of old after, like, the third I, time I they did it. I don't get sure. it. I don't, I'll, be like, on, I'll be honest. That was the first time I ever saw, I saw the Californians. Oh, really? The whole skit. Okay. I don't know how I missed all I that. I thought it was great. The only yeah. good part of that was David Spade buying everybody else. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you take something like SNL, right? It's been around. It's, I mean, an entertainment show that's been around. I mean, Johnny Carson, I mean, The Tonight Show in general. Yeah. It's probably something that rivals that. But, uh, yeah, for a show to be on for 50 years, have a break that long, and then mm-hmm. come back and be so huge is kind of monumental. Doctor Who. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. You know? And they're, they're actually st- – BBC, when they originally recorded Doctor Who – taped over it a lot so they're actually still finding new episodes of old Doctor Who it's like Tupac it's, it's, you know, <laughs> see how can you respect a show that it's own producers taped over <laughs> yeah we just we, we had to do the wedding and you know this tape was just lying around <laughs> yeah we had to know Harry Potter was on now <laughs> come on man Mary Poppins on Disney Channel Brits listen to it. yeah get out of here Mary Poppins on Disney some, Channel we need some crumpets <laughs> some crumpets and, and it had the same beginning as Star Trek did where it was kind of like a crappy show that no one that was very lowly produced. They were using props from around the... Excuse me? Did that, like, just change last week or something? (laughs) Oh, oh, it's odd. Man, Doctor Who fans out there are probably really pissed at us. I think we should move away from some of this. It's got a pretty big following. It does. We we apologize. We know. You know, Malachi does not give I don't. one two shits. <laughs> Go drink some tea. Go drink some tea. <laughs> you crooked teeth, Englishman. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna play some cricket. Go bounce some soccer balls around, you punks. You know, you could be watching Guy Ritchie movies instead of this crap. Sure. You know? You could be watching anything. Something uh, worthwhile. James Bond, man. But, uh, there you go. I can get behind yeah, that. Give some Bond. That's a good British export. What about Moonraker? I like Moon- Moonraker. Moonraker is, is the great. de facto James That's Bond sci fi movie. Yeah. Not into Moonraker? Not into James Bond. Oh, my God. Well, you know. We'll have to have a favorite Bond episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. Well, I think we're kind of wrapping up on Rex now, eh? Well, we're getting getting there, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say? I guess, you know, the biggest thing when it comes down to it is that while there have been huge leaps, I mean, look at at Interstellar. I think we've talked about this a couple of times, but, you know, you can't have a conversation like this without talking about what that movie is about to be doing for us and the whole just schema of pop culture in space. You know, that really revitalized people's interest in the kind of the hard sci-fi stuff, the technology aspect of it. Yeah. Which we can all admit has been dying out. And um, I don't know. I think it's pretty uh, pretty ominous that that movie comes out and then out of nowhere all this money just suddenly appears out of nowhere for NASA. I think that either they know something we don't and they found something. Which is, you know, a stretch. <laughs> Here's the conspiracy. Which is a stretch. Or, you know, movies like that inspired a lot in our scientists and our politicians and our lay people and said, you know what, we could why why did we stop? Look at all these senseless wars we're fighting now, yeah. you know? Um, especially for such human things such as, you know, I guess this might piss people off, but it's something as human as religion. And I know it's cosmic and I know it's metaphysical, but you know, that sometimes limits us from looking outward. And we can't do that anymore. We can't afford that as a human race. We're going to, I don't know. I um, went to Motor City Comic Con last year and listened to William Shatner speak. Really? Yes. And that, like, I was like, I'm. he's probably going to be an asshole. And he wasn't. I really liked him. But, um, Shatner, you dick. <laughs> one of the things he said sci-fi does is it really kind of provides us with the mythology of for... Millions of years, humans looked at the world, and the things they didn't know, they found stories to tell to explain them. And that's sure. what sci-fi does, is it gives us this mythology for space. Cool. Our future mythology. Yeah. I like that. That's a good sentiment, man. So, for my wow. metaphysical thing that we're talking about, yeah. like big ideas and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're higher power. I just want a lightsaber. <laughs> I just want to shoot, like, beams from like, a gun. Just, like, space and rock stuff. Like, how, how, ma- how much did you smuggle for Java before he became mad at you. Hey, man, I can get uh, past the Kessel Run. <laughs> 12 parsecs? Under 12 parsecs. Wow. Not yeah. just 12 parsecs, but under. Under 12 parsecs. Wow, wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, Han, uh, thanks for uh, joining us tonight. I know you got busy plans filming the new movie, but uh, I don't know. Don't break your back walking out the door, old man. That being said, we've moved on to the end here. To our recommendation portion, where we give you fine people some nerdy uh, recommendations from our own vaults, our own nerdy minds. 
Brianne, since you're joining us today, you have prepared a special thing for us, don't you? I have. Ben was like, Brianne, get a top five. And I was like, okay. Gotta get that top five. Yeah. So, number one, I have uh, Measure of a Man from Star Trek is where... Which Star Trek? You gotta, you gotta oh, be very I'm specific sorry. about what Star Trek I'm doing. sorry. Next Generation. Okay, so... Um, Data, the scientist comes on, he basically tells Data he wants to... Uh, fix him up, and Data finds out that that's not what he wants to do. He wants to take him apart and put him in the memory banks. And if you don't know, Data's like this human-like android. Sure. But um, they basically have a trial on whether or not Data is a human, if he can make the decision of whether or not this guy gets to use him for research. That sounds Malachi cool. here is making a, wow, that's actually kind of cool for <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah, you turkey. You denied it for all these years, and that actually intrigues you, I, doesn't it? I like the next generation. I think the next generation's better than... Oh, it is. Kirk and it is. all those punks. As a purist, I don't agree to that, but uh, we'll very on. So what else you got? Um, Gattaca is... Uh, Sold. Sold? Yep. Sold. Yeah. Gattaca sounds cool. Next. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but what is it? Um, this, he lives, this guy lives in a world where everyone is born of, like, science, and you get to pick everything about your baby before it's born. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. But cool. he is not one of those babies. He's just born out of, like, people having sex. Oh, wow. So he can't go into the space Ima- Oh, imagine that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God, not the future. <laughs> so he can't go into the space program because he's not special enough. But um, he finds, like, this donor played by Jude Law who uh, lets him use his hair and stuff to, hide, to, like, portray that he actually is this perfect human being. Weird. To, like, get past the scanner. Oh, wow, later. that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so he gets by on, like, his own human determination. Yeah. Wow. And he proves that genes don't make the man. Yeah, yeah. But it's Haynes off. jeans make, but Haynes <laughs> jeans. make a man with, with a, with a fine pair of Calvin Klein's underneath. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, like, that's a really good movie. That it sounds is. awesome. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I forgot about that. Definitely going to watch that later. Yeah, you should. It's one of my favorites. Um, cool. Next one, I have another Star Trek one, but this one's from the original series. Yes! Uh, City on the Edge of the Forever. Yes! Where they go- <laughs> great, great episode, by the way. Carry on. I'm uh, sorry. They basically chase a crazy bones back into pre-World War II and find out that if they don't kill this lady, Kirk has fallen in love with Hitler wins. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly the premise of that episode. Let me go drink some coffee let's, so let's, I can spit it out. Yeah, let's, let, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay, I got to Kirk is in love with a woman and then Hitler. Yeah, yeah. So let's, it's a big leap. I feel like there's something in between that. This, this so Bones gets infected, right? Yeah. With, with some, like, some virus or something like that that makes him go, like, apeshit crazy. Yeah. And uh, he runs around the Enterprise, gets warped down to this planet, right? And then jumps through a time warp that is conveniently on the planet. This, this time warp talks to the rest of the landing party, which is Spock yeah. uh, and Kirk, and then the rest of those guys, but Spock and Kirk decide that they're going to communicate with this thing. And it tells them that he's the keeper of time. It shows them all the newspapers of, like, you know, Hitler winning, and they go jump back, not thinking about what's going on, right? They run into Edith Kiedler, who owns, like, a, a homeless shelter. Yeah. They take some homeless guys' clothes to blend in. You know, so they, she thinks that they're homeless. Which doesn't it doesn't have a great line about like Spock being Asian or something. Yeah, like, yeah, he says he's oh. Japanese or something like that, and they get all freaked out too. Yeah. You know, and then he has to nerve pinch him. There we are back with the you know the Japanese thing again. Yeah, cool too. But yeah, basically roundabout, he falls in love with her, and then it turns out that she's the one that's got to die. So they got to make this decision, and yeah, Hitler wins the war if she doesn't die, dude. Man. Yeah. So that's like the ultimate conflict of Star Trek is just James Kirk's boner. Like, yeah. <laughs> Can I resist? Yeah. People will die. But set, set phaser to cold shower. Yeah, yeah. Set phaser to nuns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Great. Cool. That's just, that sounds like an interesting episode. Okay, yeah. so we got three. That's three. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um. So the next one is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Perfect. Another British thing. Hilarious. Um, yeah, you putz. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Oi. Oh, crikey. <laughs> oh, that's, that's Australian. Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to confuse. Jeez. No, if you hear that and you think the movie and that the movie was crap, don't follow the movie because half of the fun in Hitchhikers is uh, the narration that Douglas Adams has, just his tone. But it's basically about a guy and the earth gets destroyed and he has to go try to... He's not really saving it as much as he is just adventuring in space. Swashbuckling. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Even I I, lis- I read the book, and then I listened to the radio that was done in, like, the 70s. Oh, cool. Yeah, and both of them were just as good. Um, I couldn't really decide on a fifth, and since we've already knocked out Doctor Who, which is one of the ones I was, oh. I don't know. <laughs> thank, thank God. Wow. Glad we got that wrapped up. <laughs> oh, wow. Ugh. 
Um, I'm gonna go with Back to the Future. Oh wow! Yeah. We haven't talked about Back to the Future really. Oh at all. yeah, great, great choice. So that, and if you don't know what Back to the Future is, we do a whole time travel show. Yeah, that's a good idea. But oh, yeah. you can't do that without talking about Doctor Who, and we we, just, we can. We won't. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah, we won't. Wow, well, Back to the Future. Pretty solid list. That's a great list. Thanks. So Malachi, what do you what do you have for <clears throat> recommendations today? Uh, since we're talking about like robots and uh, machines and stuff, uh, Blade Runner. Oh yeah! Oh wow! You guys are awesome. Blade Runner is probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies. I dude, like I was saying, man, I have like a really like hard on for like those like '80s, late '70s uh, sci-fi movies. Oh, man. dude, don't even compare it to that. Blade, <clears throat> Blade Runner is the ultimate, man. Blade Runner is just a fantastic film. Uh, you're gonna watch it the first time and really not really get just the amount of. Depth. You might even fall asleep. There's some really slow parts in that movie. It's really slow, but I mean, great performances oh, by just everyone: Rucker, Howard, uh, Harrison Ford, the Chinese guy who sells eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's about, like, the nature of humanity and these machines and, like, what it means to be alive and, you know, I don't know, just struggling with all of those kind of big, really lofty philosophical ideas. And I don't really want to spoil much of the movie, if anything at all, but it has one of the best climactic uh, endings out of any film I've probably ever seen. Yes, it one does. Of the, one of the best lines uh, and really probably one of the best villains, too. Oh, yeah. So conflicted. Yeah. So conflicted, so sympathetic, such a sympathetic villain. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the best kind, you know, the ones that you kind of understand their motives. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and Harrison Ford is just basically being a, a really cool uh, punk in a, a not really dystopian future, but just like an overcrowded future where there's, you know, higher classes in a strata much far above the grimy and grittiness of kind of the lower areas of the city. And uh, it really just aesthetically, I think, uh, it did a lot to kind of. Uh, Pave the way for for later sci-fi movies. Sure, it's, I mean it's future noir. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's a basically a whodunit. Kind and of I thing. love noir films too. And oh, he's, yeah. he's just basically like a detective in the future. Well, he's got the full trench coat. Yep. You know, there's like all these like kind of '80s tropes. He's a hard drinking like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating uh, Chinese food all the time. Yeah. You know, but that's I mean that's the future. You know. Yeah, a lot, China, of, a lot of cool futurism over. going on there too. Absolutely. You know, just like the kind of common language. It's just like this garbled. But anyway, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. I totally recommend it. Don't want to say anymore. Oh, about Blade it. Runner's great, fantastic. Okay, so last but not least, man, I uh, I was gonna wow, I've, I'm doing something completely different, just to shake things up a little bit. I guess start off, you know, end off where we started off. Sure. Um, I recently watched Justice League: Throne of Atlantis, mm. and is it's that, a, it's actually <clears throat> really really good. Is that one of the newer direct to DVD? Yes, it is. I don't so think I've seen that one. It's it just came out, just came out a little bit ago. I actually saw it um before it came out. A couple couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, um, and I watched it late at night and fell asleep and was gonna bring it to you guys here, but I didn't watch it all the way through, so I don't want to be like a schmuck and like talk about something I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, even though maybe I do that every single show, <laughs> but we're not gonna go there. Yeah, you said it, man. Hey, <laughs> um, but no, it's actually really cool. Uh, I think that a lot of people give Aquaman a bad rap, and this is the central character of this uh, this movie. Um, basically, it's kind of the the next episode of the Justice League War movie that had come out. Yeah. Uh, Justice League War is basically the adaptation of the first 10, 10 or 12 New 52 comics. Um, the Justice League. The Justice League line. Kind yep. of how they came together. Yep. While the other the other lines were having like kind of like a five years in the future story going on, the Justice League story centered on five years prior to that when they all met each other uh, in this New 52 universe. Um, and it's kind of cool because they all know about each other, but they haven't actually seen each other. Especially in the Justice League uh, War saga, first time Green Lantern sees Batman, he's like, "Holy crap, you're real!" Then he realizes he's just a guy in a suit. He's like, "Are you seriously just a guy?" Yeah. In a bat suit, you know. And then he takes his ring. All kinds of shenanigans. But uh, oddly enough, in that line in comic books, Aquaman had a big part. You know, I think he was like in the fifth or fourth book, and he was like kind of the central, like, you know, new character they were introducing to the team. Uh, very absent from the movie. Not at all. He wasn't in it at all. Wasn't in it at all. Who did they replace him with? They replaced him. I don't with think somebody. they replaced him with anybody. <clears throat> it was just literally Cyborg, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and Superman and Batman. Yeah, that's all they had. No Aquaman whatsoever. And I was actually pretty pissed when that came out because I was just like, "What the crap, man? That was like the coolest scene." Yeah. I mean, out of nowhere, like you know, they see this guy and there's a bunch of demons flying around, dark side demons and shit like that, and uh, Shark comes out of nowhere and eats the guy. And this is the coolest scene in this comic book. It's like a huge shark, too. He just commands, like, all of the, you know, super powerful... It's ridiculous. Like, killer whales, man. Killer whales are vicious, and he, like, has, like, complete control of these guys. So, you know, Aquaman is actually a pretty cool character. This one follows up on some of that. Um, It is kind of a a mesh 
of you know a couple different New 52 Aquaman stories. Uh, the first bit of the line, which was like you know the things from the trench. These things called trenchers came and attacked everybody, and those are in this new movie. Uh, the other one is about him trying to fight for Atlantis with his half brother. Um, and that's kind of a big thing. But they kind of took all that and made it an origin story and how he joined the Justice League. Um, and, you know, the first se- couple scenes with Aquaman in it, he's, like, he's talking to a lobster, and that's how he gets into a bar fight. You know what I mean? They try to take the lobster and cook it, and he gets pissed, so he takes it back. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, an Atlantis bar. Like, he no, was no, no. the lobster. No, no, no. This like, is... he looked at the lobster's lady wrong or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, he's not trying to hit on lobster chicks, man. No lobster chicks. He's just sharing his feelings. Yeah, it's, you know, this whole story is okay. him conflicted. Of being half human, half Atlantean. Yeah. So yeah. Well, they've really been playing that up in the comics. The fact that he's just been an underrepresented, kind of a sure. laughingstock character. Sure. And he got a lot. I mean, he got a huge power boost in uh, in the comics version of that first Justice League arc. Yep. I mean, like we said, he was commanding these massive sea monsters and creatures, you know, with yeah. his telepathic powers, and then also something that I think had been touched on before that I don't really think has ever been kind of uh, demonstrated really well is the fact that. You know, he's so far underneath the water at these ocean depths that the pressure is so great on him that when he kind of comes up to the surface and he's not under that ocean pressure, he's got, like, super strength and he's, like, fast and everything. He's super, he has super strength. He controls magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He controls his own magic. There's he doesn't need his own trident Atlantean to control the magic. magic yeah, yeah, he can just blow things up at will, like, just through, like, power, just touching it. But, yeah, he actually has, like, impenetrable skin, too. Yeah. Because there's a scene where a guy goes to stab him. And, actually, it's funny because he gets stabbed and he's like, oh. I always wondered how that worked, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's actually a pretty – it makes it makes Aquaman a badass. And, you know, Jeff Johns has taken over that character in the beginning. He's not yeah. running the character now. Uh, but, I mean, he really did for Aquaman what he did for Green Lantern so many years ago. So, yeah, fine choice. Check it out. I know that's not really that sci-fi, but uh, we're back at the dead Green Lantern thing all over again. Puerto Ricans in space. <laughs> Can't escape it. My father's so proud of me right now. Uh, but – yeah, wow. Thanks, Brian, for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, I had a really good yeah. time. Much show enhancer, I believe. That was great. Oh, We're going to have some guests on more often. Uh, we got a, a nice little... Uh, President Obama's coming next week. Yeah, yeah. And Biden... Uh, Biden, Biden, I, Biden yeah, was invited... But we were afraid that he was going to, like, touch too many, like, female shoulders. Biden and that's a little sexist. So we're not trying to have any of that. hear him say, butt buddy? Like, oh, God. he was in, like... No, but I don't doubt it. <laughs> he was, like, in, like, Indiana or some, like, obscure location oh, giving yeah. a speech. And he was like, am I old butt buddy, Jim? Like... I, I, bet all those, I bet all those Indians were like, yeah, yeah, I remember Jim real good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Well, this has been a fantastic show. We've gone to the depths of space, to the bottom of the ocean. All over, man. But, to uh, Indiana. To Indiana <laughs> with Butt Buddy Jim <laughs> and President Obama. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, see us every single week on iTunes. Follow the iTunes channel, CM Life. Uh, follow us and subscribe to our podcast. I mean, those other ones are pretty cool, too, but you know you want to just subscribe to us. Yeah, the premium article. Come on. Yeah. We are the Except real. Except no substitutions. No, we are the real, real deal. But that, that uh, Walking Dead podcast, not that great. Yeah, the guy know, on there, he's such a dick. He is he a is. dick. He's a douchebag. What's his name? Like Mordecai Johnson? It's like it's like Mal, Mal something. I don't know. <laughs> Malades? Yeah. yeah. Malaise. Yeah. <laughs> what an idiot name. Wow. Uh, yeah, so no, enough of malaria uh, bonnet. Um, <laughs> but uh, join us next time, guys. Same bat channel, same bat time. See you later. <laughs>